Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We never like to hear this, but being people of faith doesn't relieve us of experiencing suffering in our life. In fact, the scriptures tell us that all people will experience both joys and sufferings in their lives as well as justice and injustice till we are all restored in God's realm. Yet we are assured that God will ever be with us and give us the spirit to guide and strengthen us through it all. Today's gospel lesson continues from last week's reading with Jesus telling yet another parable and then further unfolding it for the disciples. This parable is at once a snapshot of the arc of creation's history. The good of creation sown through the pre-existent Christ in the field, in the garden. Humanity taking on the knowledge of good and evil, causing pain, suffering, and death for all humanity and creation. Satan's work in the world to cause brokenness in relationships. Christ intervening in the fullness of time and the ultimate restoration of all humanity and creation. As we listen to a parable, we must be careful not to assume that we know the true meaning from the surface of the story. For the very nature of the parables is to make us think more deeply and aren't meant to be taken literally. Rather, having multiple layers of meaning in the symbolism. In the telling of a parable, Jesus uses common language and images that those hearing could immediately picture in their imagination. For instance, in today's parable, people knew that wheat and the zinzania weed look virtually identical when young. And only near harvest was one distinguished from the other. So it makes sense that one would wait to the harvest to collect the weeds separately, now easily identified from the wheat. Jesus' further discourse on the parable symbolism is likewise meant to send the disciples and we in kind deeper into its meaning. And it's not for us to stay on the surface. Listen once more to Jesus' explanation to the disciples. The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin 
and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. Many a hellfire and brimstone sermon has been told using this parable to threaten people with eternal damnation. When taken literally, I can see where they're coming from. Yet that couldn't have been further from Jesus's or even the disciples' minds. There wasn't then, nor is there today, the concept of hell in Judaism. The eternal place of suffering and damnation we think of as hell wasn't a belief until much later with the merger of the Christian faith with the Roman Empire and the need for control. What is more to the point in this parable is the presence of human and spiritual suffering in this life here and now but in no way beyond this existence in the fullness of God's realm. So how do we apply this parable to our lives today with the threat of eternal damnation now dispelled? For this parable is at once still both warning and promise, calling us to ever be discerning the effects of our thoughts, our actions, and inactions upon our own lives, the lives of others, and upon creation. When we look at the garden in the parable, and then at the world around us, it isn't hard to see that there is good and evil, justice and injustice surround us. And Jesus cautions us through this story to not be so quick to think we can always tell What is the wheat and what is the weed? Many people have been quick to see themselves as the wheat and anyone that disagrees with them as the weed. Or more grievously, to see the wheat as those who are Christian and the weeds as non-believers. For I believe that at one level of this symbolism, we are all, at one time or another, both weed and wheat, at any given time in our lives. Try as we might to deny it. Wheat is the truest self that God has created each of us to be. Wheat is being the actions of justice, peace, mercy, creativity, and beauty that we manifest in our lives. And yet weeds are the flawed aspects of our being, our prejudices and fears, our addictions, weaknesses, and our broken relationships. Weeds being our thoughts and actions that bring imbalance in our lives and the lives of others. When we are grounded in acting out of our best interest and that of others, in alignment with the Spirit of God, we are manifesting the wheat. And when we are focused on self-interests at any cost of others, at the cost of our relationships, we are manifesting the weeds. 
We see this on the global level in our nation in systemic racism, in corporate greed, and in the history of near genocide of the First Nation peoples of our country. And in our church's heartbreaking history of rationalizing evil with religious justifications, blessing wars as holy, blessing violence as redemptive, and hiding sexual abuse to protect the institution, sanctioning hatred as ordained by God. And yet I'm thankful that much progress is being made toward repenting of such evils in our nation, in our churches, that the healing and restoration has already begun. The parable tells us that what is in harmony with God and creation, what is truthful, just, and loving, will live on in God's realm, shining like the sun. And that the injustices and brokenness of this realm will cease to exist in God's realm like weeds burned up in the fire. At this level of symbolism, I don't see the differentiation being between peoples as either wheat or weeds. I see weeds, or rather the sin and evildoers, as being the sinful acts of people and Satan's demonic forces. For I believe the scriptures are clear that all humanity was sowed as good seed, and that even in our most flawed state, at the level of soul, we remain who God created us to be, as children of God our souls living on eternally. For as the scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so we are all then included in the saving grace of God through Jesus the Christ. The parable states that the angels will be sent to gather all the causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of the fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I trust that in the fullness of time, all sinfulness and evil will cease to exist. And we will be restored to the fullness of life in God's realm. But I don't think that this means that we are to do nothing about sin and evil and wait until that day. I can't help but understand this parable through the hermeneutic of my work as a spiritual counselor in hospice. Though not an apocalyptic end of the world as we know it, the death of a loved one often feels like it and is the end of their physical life and our physical journey with them. We know that each of us will face death of our physical body one day. I've companioned many peoples and families through the years as they have faced death. Again and again, I've borne witness to the effects of weeds, of sin and evil in the individual's lives and in family systems. At times, I see brokenness that has been nurtured and tended so well that people are unwilling to let it go 
causing what the parable describes as weeping and gnashing of teeth at the end of their life. Increasing a person and family's suffering in the last days. I also see individuals and families that take the opportunity to give and receive forgiveness. Many relationships being strengthened and restored. The dying person being able to die with a sense of peace. Having experienced spiritual and relationship healing. It is clear in still others that they have done the work of discernment and reconciliation throughout their lives. Approaching this time with grace and an abiding sense of gratitude and peace that I believe is our message for today in this parable. That even though in the fullness of time all shall be healed and restored in God's realm, we have a responsibility to actively be discerning and working in our own lives, in the lives of all our relationships, to see that the past, the present, and the future actions are manifesting the produce of wheat and not adding to the weeds. It is a daily, if not minute-to-minute -minute choice. And I can assure you, any brokenness in our relationships, whether it be within ourselves, with others, or with God, that we do not attend to and work to restore, we will be forced to face in our dying process. Like the parable, that's not a threat, but it's a warning and it's a promise. Another inner truth of this parable is that regardless of the produce of our actions, they never merely affect just ourselves. Every action and inaction, whether generative and restorative or denigrating and destructive, affects the entire garden as we know it. We can never separate ourselves from the rest of humanity and God's creation, for we are all, at all times, part of the whole of humanity and creation. One of the greatest sins and producers of weeds is the belief that we are ever only affecting ourself alone, family alone, or our state, or our nation alone. I appreciated that Governor Mike DeWine in his address this week quoted from Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let anyone who has ears. Listen. God waits for us to truly live our faith and to tend the garden we have been given, to restore our relationships, whether that be between oneself and God, 
or family or neighbor or creation, whether it be in business or in society, between city, state, or nations. We are called to be reconciled and to be reconcilers. It begins with honest discernment of our lives and the systems of which we are a part. We must ever hold fast to the wholeness that dwells within each of us and within all humanity. For with this vision ever before us, that in the fullness of time all causes of sin and evil will cease to exist, as we for all eternity shine like the sun in God's realm. Humanity and creation healed and restored for all eternity. Every moment of every day is an opportunity for newness of life. Amen and amen.